0: you press play it's too late to stop. stop get ready to podcast hey everybody my michael's here along with Sin City steve and again it is the vegas bad boys of podcasting and uh you know there's a voice missing today and that'd be dj impact's uh so I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Uh, Me neither. All right, good. So we're in the same boat. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's uh, every once in a while, uh, you know, we uh, we have to do certain things. And uh, DJ Impact this week, uh, well, uh, he had something going on, which uh, it was uh, very... Uh, very interesting. Uh, we received this uh, picture here. I don't know if uh, if you guys are watching here. Um, you can see there's uh, some rocks. And uh, yep, DJ Impact was at the Playboy match. So that's why he dished out on us. Uh, but we hope he's having a good time. We hope his wife knows as well. And let's hope. Uh, let's hope. And uh, with that note, uh, we're going to get into a little wrestling talk, and we're going to start right in with the WWE. And let's go as a You know, the show started off with a very solid match between Becky and Bianca. What I thought was done very well was the fact that they were able to take uh, Bianca and keep her strong with having Becky... Use the, you know, to pull off the turnbuckle cheat win. Um, This way you don't downgrade her. And, you know, nothing, nothing looks bad on Becky or looks bad on Bianca. Becky looks amazing. Um, It looks as much his heel as you can look. And then she wants a new challenger later in the show. And to our joy, I guess, (laughs) is live Morgan. Because... Liv morgan uh, 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 steve
1: did, did, is that right should it be? I, I mean uh, okay i don't have a problem with seeing live morgan on my tv no no not at bottom all bottom line um I, I think i think that it's really good that that they're starting to um allow other people to shine and giving the spotlight to more than just the four horsewomen um so yeah I'm I'm all for having a rotation of of people in there um and quite frankly the, at this point there might as well just be auditioning them for spots and that's just that's how it's going to be so I'm cool with it
0: or as uh, we'll uh, talk about in three counts uh <laughs> they they basically uh will be auditioning them to see who gets released next exactly one so- or the other <laughs> So we'll see where that goes with Liv. Uh, Very interesting to to go with her, finally give her an opportunity. Uh, You know, it looked like when they let Ruby go, they were going to put a little more shine on Liv, and then she got pushed down again. And then she kind of came up a little bit with this Carmella thing, but then Carmella was going over on her. So we'll see what happens. Um, It would be surprising if she does get a victory over Becky, not a championship victory. But an actual victory in some sense. So let's see what happens. Uh, Damien Priest, man. Uh, Again, solid worker. Uh, He worked with uh, T Bar, which wasn't he released? I thought he was. I swear to God.
1: Really? No? No,
0: no. So you think they're, they're saving it for the week before Christmas?
1: Of course. (laughs) <laughs> of course. It, it, but the thing is, I mean, realistically at this point, you might as well just have him go by his NXT name of Donovan Dijakovic. Um, the, I, I definitely noticed that they were they were actually giving him more of the same offense that he displayed when he got over to that NXT audience. And I, I'm I'm all in favor of that. Um, unfortunately, it's, you know, I feel like as if he got um you know he people probably got a bad uh, a bad representation of what this guy was about because the retribution angle was just shit ass terrible. Um, and I, I I hope that they're going to find a way for him to branch away from that, drop the gimmick altogether at some point, and get over with this audience. At least give him a shot.
0: Yeah. Um. You know, right now he's he's been a glorified jobber uh, or worker at least. Um, the, the, what's interesting is, um, Hey, if you don't go back to the, let's say that name, uh, just call him Thomas bar or Tom bar or something like that. Right. T bar. I mean, uh, just get something. away from me. Yeah. Something. Um, but there have been rumblings that that is kind of what they're, they're, they're moving towards doing something else with him that he's coming out of this character, uh, you know, so hopefully we'll see something different, but that, that has definitely been, um, a very interesting, uh, you know, evolution again, another guy who it looks like they take a step forward with, and then they take him back and it's, you know, there's a weird balance with people getting released of who's around and who's getting released. So, uh, and again, we'll focus more on that on three count. Hey, if you guys are listening or tuning in right now on uh, Facebook Live, or you know, we uh, usually have uh, DJ Impact, who's really good at uh, pointing out uh, the interaction with you guys. I am horrible. I am an old man. I do not look at all <laughs> that's going on because. Uh, the ADD and uh, being an old man it just kind of gets kind of fucked up there but uh, Steve will be looking at stuff so if you find something he'll uh, shout you guys out all right Um, so Damien Priest again he looks great he's honestly for you know for him being a little more advanced uh, in terms of his age as compared to some of the younger guys and finally getting this breakthrough at a point where he's already matured into the position where he can handle everything that's being given to him. Um, you know, it, it, looks like this is one of the guys who particularly because he speaks Spanish, he could be a breakout. Another one of those guys that within three years uh, is working in Hollywood instead of wrestling. So I, I hope that's, that's where he's headed. I hope that, you know, cause he has such a great personality and great presence um, so I hope that's what we see in the future. But in the current, uh, his new challenger comes out and it's fucking Apollo Cruz. What the fuck? So we trade. We have a we have a draft. Your boy returns. Well, you know, it, I, if you're going to fucking have a draft, and yes, we're seeing a different uh, mix. You know, we haven't seen Priest versus Cruz. Fine. I'll agree to that. We haven't seen it but Cruz was going after the fucking U S belt. And here he is now just coming in after the IC belt. Let's put him right in that program because he deserves that kind of attention. What the fuck? I don't know. What are you thinking on Cruz? Uh,
1: and is this something that is even, I mean, (sighs) I mean, he's, he's ultimately just stuck at the, at the mid card level. Um, you know, it, it, I think that one thing is painfully obvious. They have these guys sort of pre-slotted in at where they see them. And no matter the show that they're on, whether it's Raw or SmackDown, they're going to have those people slotted in the exact same position, seemingly, yeah. uh, regardless of which show that they're on. Um, speaking of the chat, by the way, I do have to point this out to you uh chris says uh matt michaels the podcast's version of clint eastwood and Gran torino except he wants all of us to get off his chat
0: lawn <laughs> yeah get off my chat and and by the way too steve sometimes i do with you feel like i'm talking to an empty chair so there we go <laughs> well
1: there's that thanks
0: <laughs> oh man you're gonna th- chris you're gonna throw out the uh the uh Clint Eastwood stuff. I'm going to go after your boy since he's Steve then. All right. <laughs> uh, you know what's fascinating to me is that he's with uh, uh, Paula Cruz, is with uh, Commander Aziz. Um, what the fuck haven't they put them together as a tag team for and put them together and have them face Omas and Styles? Why right? not? I
1: mean, it, it, it makes too much sense. I don't know, man. It, it's one of those things where if nothing else, like you would think that they would give them some sort of a run as a team. Um, They, they love to take two people and, you know, mash them together and, you know, create these teams complete with merging theme musics, but whatever. Um, Yet you have these guys that are aligned and you refuse to put them as a, as a tag team. It makes no sense.
0: And almost in Aziz's case, uh, you refuse to basically
1: have him in the ring at all, for the most part. Right. I, I don't. I don't get that. Like the only thing that I can figure is that if if you're going to go down that route, um, I know that when Aziz, um, excuse me, when Omos, uh you know, kind of rose to prominence. Uh, they almost they found uh, Braun Strowman to be expendable, and obviously we'll talk about you know releases and things like that in three count. That's the only thing that I can figure is if you are if you are hyping up Omasa's height and you know saying that he's like the biggest baddest dude on the block, if you put him in there w- across the ring from Aziz, who is also very tall and you know has a a, a different build but a similar stature. Um, I, I don't know if that dilutes things and, you know, makes the, mu- the waters a little bit muddier.
0: Yeah, um, and uh, the only reason I find logic in it is uh, the sense that AJ Styles and Omas, they could be faces right now. There's no doubt. Dude, the crowd want
1: to cheer them.
0: Right. So, you know, and if you need anything to go heelish on... Uh, why not throw in whiny Apollo Cruz and the guy who doesn't do anything that's with him?
1: There you why go. not? I mean, no, I, it's almost like as if Cruz has almost level of go away heat. Um, I, I don't think that he's quite there yet, but he's, you know, everything that I've read online and, you know, the feedback that he gets just comes across as not heel heat, but go home heat. And so I think that, yeah, it would make it would make sense of that. But you definitely do want to kind of um, I I almost feel like as if AJ and Omos would it would almost kind of lesser their stock a little bit, bring them down um, to to be in a feud with uh, Aziz and uh, and Cruz. I don't know.
0: The problem with bringing the stock down in a sense, though, is the fact is the stock isn't anywhere high. Because all you have is Riddle and Orton. Who else in your tag team division is even coming close to, you know, being on, on that level of those two teams. And so that's why I say, well, why don't you throw them into the mix Uh, or for fuck's sake, have them go as a team against Orton and Riddle. Give them something fresh to do another huge monster to fight and stuff because Really, what's going to end up happening is Omas and Styles, when they break them apart, who the fuck does omas go against? We have a great Khali situation at that point where, you know, there's not that many people that he can realistically go against that you could figure that have a chance in beating him other than, you know, getting disqualified, you know, and that kind of shit, you know, taking him out through the knees or something like that. It just... When you're when you're stuck with these big guys, you become limited in the things you can do. Even Andre the Giant was not a guy who wrestled every single fucking week, and I think that's that's a point that we all kind of forget. It's like they these guys look great. It's it's cool to see them, especially live. But arguably, um, Big Show is the only one who has been able to transfer in his career. Uh, to a point where he's the biggest guy in the locker room, but you still see him as a guy who Rey Mysterio could potentially go against. And I don't Definitely. see that necessarily in Omas right now. Um, I know they're, they're trying. They're, they're trying a little bit to get him into that point, but we'll see what happens with that. But we get into a little uh, thing that I think is getting a little interesting with Big E, KO, and Seth. I I like this mix, especially because you've got a chance to to put KO in that gray area, which I think that they kind of are benefited by having a more heel Kevin Owens. Um, And really, honestly, I would love to see Seth and KO actually form of uh you know an alliance or something i think that would be a fascinating stable you know put those two together maybe bring in a third party and now you've got you know like uh, uh, the mega mainly acts or something like that you know these people who have just these egos um and just have them you know run roughshod as heels um and i i've i've thought for a while that I know that they can't do it with New Day per se because of the fact that it's a John Cena like tendency because of so much popularity with kids and Make a Wish and that kind of stuff. But why can't we see any one of these motherfuckers go heel? please? You know,
1: it, I, I, it, it does. It doesn't make any sense. If nothing else, give. You know, they for the longest time they've had no problem. Utilizing shades of gray with these characters and, you know, having not any absolute baby faces, absolute heels, but except when it comes to new day members, um, they are unequivocally baby faces and they, they don't have as a result, they tend to not have any depth of character. Um, So I think that that's, that's a great point that you bring up. Um, And I, I, I do have to say one thing though, I don't know if I want to see Seth and KO as a team um, for a long term, uh, long term kind of a thing. Um, well, don't because,
0: don't worry because his contract's you know he's out of there in fucking three months anyway. So,
1: did, did you like did you like the little nod to his contract term in the promo? Oh, yeah. I thought I thought that was uh, kind of a little on the nose, but yeah, definitely out there.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I I agree. I mean, you wouldn't do it as a long term thing, but. I think that yeah, again, when you have this draft and if you, all you're going to do is basically take people and just take them from one show, put them on the other show and have them doing the same thing. Well then what the fuck's the point of this draft? Right. So, you know, just spice it up a little. Now I think things can get interesting because if you have them in a triple threat at some point, then maybe you start seeing, you know, um, different shades of characters that we haven't seen yet. Uh, and I think that also Seth can, Seth can be the ignition to it, right? Seth could be the one who basically is egging on KO that, you know, Big E is basically making KO look like a, a fool. He's making him look like a clown, getting under, you know, KO's skin. And, you know, right when he, he's about to take out Seth, he accidentally punches out Big E. Or vice versa, and you know you have that interaction. So they might be able to do some great stuff. But speaking of uh, speaking of throwing punches, all right. Now, in most cases, when there is a person outside the ring, and they do something like I don't know, clothesline someone, hit them with a chair, do something to uh, the comp- one of the competitors in the ring. Usually, nowadays, referees don't do anything, right? Yet, if Dominic slaps a man, the bell automatically rings because slapping someone is definitely grounds for disqualification.
1: Obviously. Um, Con- continuity. <laughs> ta <Ta-da>. Really?
0: <sighs> you know, and, and this is what gets me. Um, Ray
1: Mysterio retire, please just go, go away, dude. And I I think that ultimately we, we were championing a heel turn by Dominic. And it seemed like as if he was going to be doing that. And then out of nowhere, we're just kind of putting that on the back burner after teasing it. I mean, it's, it's really kind of frustrating because, you know, again, as I had mentioned with the new day, um, it's almost like as if he can't go heel and if he did, then it would give him some depth of character and it would help him to actually, you know, develop a bit of a character arc. But as of right now, it's just raise fucking kid.
0: Well, we might RFK.
1: See-
0: yeah, yeah. RFK. There we go. Right. raise fucking kid. Um, but speaking about Seth, we might be able to see if they're smart, this might be your alliance and have Seth mentor him because that leads us to the announcement of the raw survivor series team. I think this is where the heel turn happens. Uh, You got Ray and Dominic on that team. You've got KO and Seth on that team. And then you've got, of course, Finn Valor who makes total perfect sense to be on this team because, you know, he's involved in something. I think, I guess he's supposed to be involved still in that title picture, maybe. Um, I don't know. Uh, he, was, he was overseas, apparently, on this tour, so he wasn't on Raw this week. Uh, that's one of the reasons they also did a internet announcement instead of actually announcing shit on the show. Um, so that is your team for Team Raw. Um, what are your thoughts on the Raw team as it stands?
1: Is it me, or were all five of those guys just this past week or before pre draft on SmackDown? Yeah, right. So tell me how much sense it makes to have five guys that had just been on the other brand now wrestling and, and carrying the banner of a show that they just arrived to. It makes absolutely no sense. And it, it, it it defies any and all logic. Why would they have any brand loyalty, quote unquote, to Raw when they were just on SmackDown right before the draft? It not, fucking not only, it's It's baffling.
0: Not only that, but in combination of the 10 men, eight of them were SmackDown just three weeks ago, right? So it really is kind of just a SmackDown elimination match. Um, And
1: and ultimately we all know how it's going to end up and it's not going to be any of those SmackDown people as the sole survivor.
0: uh, No, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be Jeff Hardy, right? No, no, it's going to be Jeff Hardy. Come on. Come on. You know that it will be.
1: We we all know how much Jeff has survived. So, I mean, it only makes sense.
0: Yeah. um, And speaking of survival, the SmackDown team, man. Okay. So, the Raw team, like I said, we can find two, and if you add Finn into that title picture, three guys going in that title picture, Ray and Dominic, who obviously are going to have to have some kind of split here. SmackDown team. The popular singing group from the 1960s, Sammy, Happy, Hardy, Drew, and the King. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, talk about throwing a fucking uh, spitball of shit at a wall. Okay, Sammy. Um, incredible. Sammy deserves to be on the team. If anything, Sammy should be the leader of a team, and and that's how they should have put it together. Sammy should have been recruiting people to be on his team because everyone else is out to get him. He has to set things right. He, you know, there's a conspiracy that Raw is out to undermine SmackDown or something like that. Go with that shit. But you, you have him on the team, and then you have to throw in Happy Corbin because, um, I guess I don't know, man. Um, they you talk about a character that you took something golden with, uh, just down and out Corbin all of a sudden hitting the lottery and then making him Happy Corbin, and People then
1: love it though. I I mean, c- keep in mind he's not here to defend himself, but DJ Impact absolutely fucking loves Happy Corbin. He talks about him nonstop, and th- so so does the internet. I I it blows my mind. I don't know why people are into this gimmick, but hey, more power to him. I guess that it's just not for me.
0: I think I think I I, I actually what spoiled me on the character is the addition of his Rick Boogs because we already had fucking Rick Boogs. And now we got a guy who happens to look almost exactly like Rick Boogs. And I don't know his fucking name to save my life. (laughs) I'm being honest. I cannot tell you what the dude's name is. All I know. Okay. Madcap. I should be able to remember that, I guess. Moss, I don't know if I'm going to remember. I, I'm just, it's just so ridiculous that he comes into the picture, and now it's, it's like a bad 1920s comedy act. Uh, it's it just, it's, it's, it's just not going anywhere, um, or at least anywhere of significance. It looks like, and so that, that's why I'm thinking, you know, we got Sammy and got Happy, which again looks like your wheels are turning in two guys. You're just stale. Then you throw in fucking Jeff Hardy. I I don't know, man. I don't know. What the hell? I mean, the only person who has it worse in the Hardy family is Matt Hardy and what they've been giving him in AEW. You know, Um, both these guys. So here's a Hall of Fame brother tag team, legit brothers, And in both companies that they're in right now, no one can seem to do anything with either of them, which is mind boggling. Mind boggling. Um, So he's, I don't know, man. The elder statesman, I don't know what the fuck puts him in other than he gets in because he has one of the most awkwardly fucked up stupid backstage segments in the history of jeff hardy's career all right he he he's talking to Aaliyah. then it's it's all about the interviewer was trying to get some kind of interview question with him uh right after Aaliyah leaves the interviewer asks something jeff says hold on a second and goes over to Aaliyah, who apparently had was gone right you'd figure if you leave an interview segment they're gone they want to do something else but he goes to approach her because she's stopping and being talked to by sammy zane and we have to talk about aliyah's like wonderfully cut trunks might, might i say that that looked wonderful um i think that's the first time i ever looked at alia and went oh, oh okay all right understand it
1: um completely
0: but that seg- segment made no sense outside of seeing her in that i yeah, it's
1: I, it's it's crazy man i i i saw this segment and i i was just left thinking what the fuck was the actual purpose of this? Because it, it had absolutely no redeeming value. Um, if if they were trying to get Aaliyah over in this segment, then okay, I guess uh, she did, she added nothing to this segment whatsoever, except for the fact that she was being talked to by Sami Zayn. Like, I
0: and, and then Jeff Hardy is going to defend her. And wasn't something said that really made it very uncomfortable because of the fact that Jeff is a married man, but there was an illusion, you know, we always refer to the legendary Sonny Days comment that Sean made. So now are we starting to just fabricate rumors to make shit up or what? I, I don't understand it. I'd say the, the biggest thing I got out of this segment was I uh, I flipped over to ESPN to look for Monday Night Football. And then I realized, oh, it wasn't Raw. It was fucking SmackDown. You're uh, burning but, up
1: time on broadcast network Fox yeah,
0: for this shit. On Fox. On Fox. So uh, we do also know that um, we, uh, we got Drew McIntyre, who would be part of the team as well. Now, Drew McIntyre, I do have to say, uh, he had a match with Ricochet uh You know, for as big as Drew is, it was a nice showing of the mesh between him and Ricochet. And holy fuck, that Claymore <laughs> coming right. I mean, you could see in the slow-mo replay, you could see Ricochet. I mean, he is like just focused, laser focused. On the spot, you know, to to make sure that he is hitting that flip on perfect timing, because if not, I mean, we could see something possibly go really wrong because, you know, if he if he gets his head fucking kicked back, that neck, you know, gets snapped. Um, But he, you know, give it to Drew, man. He he fucking totally he nailed it just perfectly right close to the shoulder it looked beautiful and in, in regular timing and you know um as much as i i think drew is just so stale right now i you know this whole sword and the skirt and you know our kilt whatever the fuck it is um, the sword and the skirt this this yeah that was that was a great great
1: porno And, and that will also be, that will also be a good book about Drew McIntyre's career.
0: Yeah. 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 Pretty much. Uh, yeah. So, you know, at least there was something that was a little different in that match. Um, you know, you, you're talking about the idea of guys coming over from one brand to the other. Got to see those two. That was all right. Um, before, Before I get into the last person on the team, though, I have to say, um, holy shit, for the love of God and everything sacred, please get fucking Ali out of the WWE. Fire him. (laughs) He should have been the first name on the fucking. Oh, God. No, because obviously they do not know what the fuck to do with him. We get a segment backstage. Well, first of all, he's watch once again. He is watching Ricochet compete. We have seen him watching Ricochet compete for the better end of almost 2 years now. They were fucking tagging together, which apparently neither of them remembered on Friday night. We have something that then just goes back to fucking the retribution in which Ali is leading them, and their whole thing was to beat the fuck out of Ricochet for months on end to try to get him to join. And now this motherfucker is trying to recruit Ricochet once again. You need to fire this motherfucker, Kevin Cross and Keith Lee. And Oni Larkin, for God's sakes, are not working for the company anymore. But that motherfucker is. Get rid of him. Fire him. In fact, you know what? Don't even fire him right before Christmas. Fire him on Christmas Day.
1: Oh, come on! I don't
0: care at this look, point.
1: Look at you. Look at you being a heel to the end, bro. No, and in that
0: case, I am being a
1: face. Because I
0: think there would be many of people who would be applauding me and parading me down the street that this asshole was finally gotten rid of for good. And then he could go over to AEW and basically go uh, find one of the AEW guys. To stalk for two years in storylines that never get fucking intertwined, never get mentioned again. When all you do is have them do the same fucking thing for two years. God damn! I really i I thought QT I Marshall. Yeah. Well, <laughs> who ruins whose career first? Right. Yeah. I. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think, no, I, think you, I just I just I just think I found the uh, you hit on this is Ring of Honor's new uh, roster. Here we go. Oh, Ali QT Marshall, start it up.
1: Oh fuck! No, I I think I think that the uh, the thing with uh, with Ali is yeah, no matter what they try to do with him. I mean, they tried to have the pairing with Mansoor. And that went over like a fart in church. It, it didn't go over at all. Like, no one gave a damn about them. And realistically, you have to figure what, what they need to do. What do they need to do in order to get people to buy in on Ali? And I, I think that the guy is a great, he, he's great in the ring. Um, his in-ring work is great. But the the character work, the character development, the situations that they're putting him in. I, yeah, I do find myself not calling for him to be fired, but I do find myself wondering what the fuck is the point of any of this shit that they have him doing. Um, and you know, we, we did, we did mention Drew McIntyre, um, being a part of the, uh, you know, a part of this, uh, survivor series team. That's who I was mentioning. Obviously he will end up being your sole survivor and that'll end up being your next challenger for Roman Reigns as a result. Um,
0: but most, like, uh, most likely, I think you're, you're spot on with that.
1: Yeah. It, it, but the thing is with, with Ricochet is, you know, I, unfortunately, I think that that gentleman right there will be a victim of the next budget cut. Um, I, I, I don't see them hanging on to him for any reason. <sighs> Um, you know, it, it, as, much as I would love to have him a part of AEW, they really aren't doing anything with him. They haven't done anything with him for the entire time that they've had him. And it's, it's at this point, they've wasted him for several years, realistically. So I think that he, I, th- I think
0: he doesn't get released because of the AEW factor. I think they know that he has enough talent to keep him under contract. Um, And that's why I say, you know, get rid of Ali, because at least Ricochet, they haven't totally fucking ruined him by having him, you know, commit to certain things. Ali got fucking tarnished the minute they put him with retribution. And when that didn't pay off, why is this guy still around? You know, almost everyone else, you know, is in a situation where that this is your next round of firings right there. T-Bar, Mace fucking Ali. Uh, I don't think they'll let Ricochet go because I think that they know that if he goes somewhere else and maybe not even AW fucking impact or even New Japan, for Christ's sake, yeah. Um, yeah. that he becomes an elevated, you know, component to to one of those shows. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I just can't figure out any of that, but I'm glad you brought up uh, the uh, the, uh, the the fart church uh, aspect of Mansoor and him. So once you fart in the church, then the best thing to do is to capture some of that fart and put it right under Cesaro's nose. Jesus, because what the fuck was that? I mean, if you want to make Cesaro look like he's a a fucking awful wrestler, which he is not, he should be on that Survivor Series team, and maybe he should be winning it and going against Reigns instead of fucking Drew McIntyre. Um, You know, Cesaro, personality. Drew McIntyre, big sword and uh, a skirt. Um, So, you know, uh, that that really just, it really bothered me. Uh, It bothered me more than Los Lotharios, uh, as a tag team name uh, for those two guys, who um, you know, FTRs can be wrestling those guys by uh, next uh, April or June. <laughs> so, uh, to be honest, it's like Garza and, and the they they Listen, when they first came out, when the music hit, and I kind of forgot that they're together in a team on SmackDown. I thought Epico and Primo were back. <sighs> So that's about how much you get out of those guys. Um, But, but, and then making Cesaro a part of this um, Jesus uh, it's a travesty and, um, and then it's another guy. They know they can't let him go. They let him go. He's getting a major fucking push on another show. um, Whatever it might be. Without a doubt. You know, impact wrestling signs that guy and they all of a sudden go, you know Moose and Cesaro.
1: Jeez. sign me the
0: fuck up. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, the final guy on the SmackDown team is the King himself, and um, you know, I think that what they did with this idea of the uh, the the Neil match, you know, mm-hmm. make the the loser Neil. I thought it was brilliant. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a great concept. It's never been done with the king of the ring winner, a king character even. Um, the closest we had is the kiss by foot thing with the Lawler. Um, so that was a great idea. Great graphics. Um, wonderful way of having the Usos keep the heat on them by not giving in and then having a surprise uh, you know Roman Reigns, Usos just beat down of those guys, which was wonderful to see. Um, it really was. I, it was just so nice. It just made me giddy. Uh, I'm sure them.
1: it fucking did, man.
0: Uh, oh, oh, it was just so nice. Um, the only thing that would have been better if, uh, you know, if they were really just throwing the punches in there. But come know, on. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Like, don't you think Roman should just. Like, legitimately, land one super punch on someone. And, and should it not be uh, Kofi? No, just sh- for the fuck of it. <laughs> just for the fuck of it. Come um, on, man. No, you know, it, it, it made sense. I think that you put uh, those five guys together right now is a good idea in terms of your value, yet, uh, in terms of the capability of both of those two factions being able to talk. Yeah, And that sets up the interest. And I think that's one of the things they lose a lot of times is that you have guys who can talk and then you kind of take that ability away and then you don't go anywhere with storylines. So at least you're getting something here. Um, We'll see what happens in terms of, you know, Kofi's right now, not, you know, a part of that team, which is surprising. I thought you would have him on the Survivor Series team maybe Mm -hmm. instead of you know someone like i don't know jeff hardy make more sense right but all of a sudden smackdown got raw itis and now the shows have flipped in terms of the decency
1: and the logic that that was that was the thing that really kind of stood out to me is that this you know this episode of smackdown really felt like raw and this past episode of raw really felt like smackdown and it, it it really, I don't want to say it shouldn't be that way, but it, it's, it's baffling that, you know, after the draft, that, you know, SmackDown's stock has fallen so dramatically, in my view, and Raw's stock has, has gone up the way that it has, is the three hours of Raw were more easily digested this week by me than the two hours of SmackDown. And that I, I can't tell you the last time that that happened.
0: Yeah. And ironically enough, you bring me to uh, one of the two lines of the week. And that was Roman Reigns saying, well, while he's complaining about how bad SmackDown was without him, he says it was almost as bad as Raw. On the week that SmackDown was almost as bad as Raw. Ironically, mm-hmm. enough, the second line that was brilliant was Pat McAfee. Talking (laughs) when Hit Row was coming out. This is going to be fabulous. Brilliant. Smart. Smart. And that guy can. McAfee's gold. Yeah. And that guy cannot get in trouble. That's the brilliance of it. No one backstage is going to say, Pat, you shouldn't have said that. There you go. All right. Let's get to NXT really quick. Uh, Is it uh, Zion Quinn right is that that How he's pronouncing it Uh, So singing Sexy boy a great Idea for a bad singer to do that To show up a bad bad, You know a quote unquote bad Performance Um, but my Question is do you think it was uh, A rip on Sean That he didn't know about it (laughs) That that was going to be The song played or because Sean's in charge, do you think his ego decided you're going to sing my song?
1: <laughs> I I definitely think it was the latter. Um, yeah, I, I'm sure that Sean had some input with that, without a doubt. That was that was the first thing that came to my mind. Was okay. Well, we know Sean's running this shit now anyway. So yeah, it makes sense. And uh,
0: and I, I'll buy my stock in Quinn right now. I like him. I think he's he's really good. I'm glad that they had him work with uh, Robert Stone on this you know, squash because of the fact that he is really good at doing that kind of work. I mean, he really is a good worker in that sense. So, um, you know, we're going to see how it builds up for Quinn. Uh, Duke's Poker Room, you know, you take a shitty thing in Duke's Poker Room and then you have Cameron Grimes once again proving – that not only can he make money off the, uh, you know, the investments and and you know the shit he did to make his actual money uh, during the pandemic, but he made this Duke's poker room thing pay off. That was great. Grimes is just stay there, stay in this character. Do not do anything. If they try to call you up to one of the rosters, um, get locked in the fucking NXT locker room. Yep. Do not leave. Just stay with it. Do not Dude. do anything with Grimes. On the flip side of that, um, you know, I, uh, I, I looked at some of the, uh, again, we'll talk about the cuts coming out, uh, you know, coming up here on three count. Uh, but I, um, I just look at the cuts and go, why is Lash Legend, why does this woman have a job? this this whole, that, that whole interview thing. Well, um, I
1: can, I can easily tell you because she's a, she's a crossover sports uh, athlete. So that's, that's what they're looking to do. They're looking to take people that have competed professionally in other, in other sports and other athletics and, all of a sudden now shoehorn them into being professional wrestlers or excuse me, sports entertainers. Okay. So, and,
0: and you know what, that'd be great. If she um, had any kind of that sports aspect, put her in the ring. I don't care. You know, L- let's see if she's any good. She is not good at doing a talk show. Uh, she's also not good when you're putting her together with Tony D'Angelo, who now is <laughs> one stereotype who is, you know, like, how long is this thing going to last? Um, You know, you did a couple. The reason the, the, uh, the hype-up promos were good is because that's all we saw. It was fucking a minute and a half, and that was it. I was like, all right, yeah, that's cool. In, you know, Chicago, you know, mobster, Italian guy. Okay, yeah, yeah, all right. Oh, now he's sitting down with talk show hosts who can't do anything fucking entertaining? Oh, this is getting bad. And then it's the day is saved by one brilliant portrayal. And that is by Mr. Ryan Katz, as I believe it was Michael, the producer of Lash's show in a cast or arm sling. uh, Just just wonderfully playing up the fact that he was uh, brutally taken care of on the on the uh, (laughs) the lowdown. Uh, by Mr. D'Angelo uh, Ryan Katz saved that fucking thing uh, yeah. You know that It's sad when uh, A producer who ha- uh, who Has talent like Ryan does When you take something That you're trying to sell And the best thing about it Is the producer that you put in Just essentially as A visual prop Being the best thing about it
1: So <laughs> The, the thing that really stood out to me and has stood out to me is just so realistically, I view Tony D'Angelo as being Razor Ramon circa 2021. If they were going to take, if they were going to bring Razor Ramon into this era of WWE branded programming, it would be very, very similar to what they did and what they have done with Tony D'Angelo. Um, those two have a very similar sort of uh, you know, very similar sort of vignette pattern from when uh, they brought up Ramon.
0: No, Steve, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, just got a call. It's a big veto, he wants his fucking gimmick back pretty much. I I, I get what you're saying, but you know what? The Italian gimmick has already been done to the point of big veto, little Guido, uh, guys who were more fucking, you know entertaining more it it just is it's aggravating because what did you do with razor when you brought him in on your point and that is this razor you had hype of promos but then all you did was put him in the fucking ring right bingo and and we got to see you know d'angelo what once now in the last four weeks in the ring and i can't tell if I want to see more of him because I don't know if he's good or if he's green or what he is. So
1: unfortunately, I think that that may have something to do with the fact that they've really tried to overhaul the roster in absolutely no time flat. And they've introduced so many new characters in just the the last few weeks that unfortunately, yeah, I think that we're starting to see these kinds of things where you're getting these vignettes and things of that nature, but you're not seeing these guys the, in the ring, and lest we forget, that is what this really is supposed to be about. Is it's a it, realistically in-ring competition, um, well, I, unless I think, unless that that's you know not what they're going for, of course.
0: Well, I think in some ways, and, and NXT, you know, they 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 had to live up to AEW, so basically they decided oh, well, let's just do things that don't make sense now and then we'll get the same ratings. So uh, really quick trick in the the main event, uh, that shoe shot on Loomis looked fucking wonderful. It was a great way to, hey, let's just, you know, let's not a tarnish Johnny because we don't want to make him mad because his contract's coming up. So how do we get to resign him? Let's, let's at least not have him take the, the pinfall. Um, and it, you know, it, it, it looked like a brutal shoe shot, which is surprising. Um, and, uh, shout out solo, our boy, Stefa, looking strong. Hey man, give the man a bunch of squash matches and that's it. Do not let him hook up with someone who is one of your main talent yet at all. Give him fucking two months of a push like this, make him a brutal beast, um, I don't know how they're going to handle it. If they bring them up to the main roster as solo, this is the most baffling thing about this because, okay, obviously the fans know that he's a new. So when you look at him, that's the one thing that is like, I, I just can't understand why they went with the, the kayfabe name because He looks so much like the Rock and his brothers and Roman and the family, and it's like unless they do bring him up and have him play against the family, which could be a possibility, um, it's just like you're going to build up this. You're going to have to keep him in NXT for a couple years, then, and and really honestly, um, to be honest. Uh, what you have right now is you have Samoa Joe fifteen years
1: ago. That's so, that's that's an amazing point. I didn't even think about that, but spot on.
0: Yeah, espe- especially too when I saw the hair dye when he yeah. went blonde. They did that UPW with Joe, and we knew he was going healed that fucking that week at the show when he walked into training, and uh, he's got a, he's got a haircut, and it's bleach blonde. It's like, oh shit, they're making you heal. And he's like, Yeah. Um, and what I see in Cepha and have seen in Cepha um, has been this idea of using him in that manner that Joe was used all those years ago, uh, when they first, you know, when he first started getting his shots in, in ROH, uh, and then we came into TNA, especially that. F- before Angle came in and ruined the whole fucking thing, um, you know that's the thing. I see him as a dominant motherfucker. He's doing the no shoes. This is the kind of guy you fucking want. This is the guy that once Joe gets off the fucking shelf, he either mentors Sakoa or he fucking tries to show that he's still the big dog, and you know stuff that beats the fuck out of joe you know ends his career essentially right so we'll see where it goes but please for the love of god don't touch don't touch this right now let it be um and, and shout out also i i have to say i like steiner's kid a lot
1: oh dude yeah and it, 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 even so. even if he wasn't steiner's kid yeah even if he even if he wasn't steiner's kid i think yeah. that Um, if, if they, if they don't strap the rocket to his back, um, which that was what I was afraid of. Um, and if they, if they temper it just a little bit and drag it out for just a tiny bit, I think that he will be able to, to hold that main championship and, and be the face of NXT 2.0
0: without question. So I'm going to go a step further and not only the face of 2.0, but, in Seffa, or I, I got to start calling him Solo, I guess. In uh, in Solo and in um, uh, what are they? What are they calling them? Brand, Bron, Bron, yeah, braun, Brawn. Come on, yeah. what the fuck guys. Um, those those two are your example of what they're trying to do, and that is those two are two guys who. Uh, Never had, um, you know, Sefa never reached a huge independent following, all right? He was in a very, like, literally Vegas, pretty much Vegas, all right? Outside of that, you know, you take these guys who don't have these followings, you build them now in your system. Those two are the start of what this is supposed to be. And that is taking this show to make these guys, and these are the future of the WWE. I, I, you know, as much as we say, you know, Cross and Keith Lee, these guys were established before they came in. They did other things. They were on other people's shows. They they learned a different style of wrestling. These guys are being molded into exactly what they want to see for the future of the company and this is and I'm probably going to get a lot of shit for this but mark my words this is your john cena your brock lesnar your randy orton and your dave batista we're seeing wow. the start of that wow that is what the next phase is going to be for at least two of you know the two of the next four big guys so we'll see what's uh, you know in the future but that's your wwe week boom it is all yours my brother for aew
1: all right man so aew dynamite uh let's jump right in and uh we uh we had ourselves a a nice little rematch from a couple a couple of years back right when uh aew first started right when dynamite first started uh kenny omega uh wrestled against a guy named alan angels um and he gave him a lot of offense a couple of years ago. And a lot of people on the internet were shocked as to why uh, this unknown guy got so much offense against Kenny Omega. Um, Turns out that that match was actually what led to Angels getting a contract with AEW. So we fast forward a bit to uh, this past Wednesday and uh, Kenny Omega versus Allen Angels one more time. And again, um, the one thing that I appreciated was the announcers, they did play up and build in this storyline that everybody, no matter who they are in this business, they always have one person, that kind of thorn in their side that they just can't shake um, and gives them a hard time that realistically shouldn't give them a hard time. Um, And I think that they told a, a good story through the commentary and yes, Kenny Omega picked up the win in 15 minutes, but he did not beat him with the one winged angel. Um, he attempted to go for the one winged angel, and Angel's slithered out of it. Um, ended up getting caught with a couple of V triggers and picked up. And uh, Omega picked up the win. But I think that it did it did a good job in elevating uh, Alan Angels to rat instead of just being some lackey in the dark order um he's still some lackey in the dark order but I think that if they play their cards right with this guy that they can you know continue to push him in the single scene a bit um we'll see if they choose to capitalize on that um the follow-ups on things uh with AEW that tends to be one of their uh not so strong suits we'll just say Um, if, if somebody has a great showing on TV, they might not talk about it from one week to the next, they might not follow up with it. So we'll see where they choose to go from here. Um, but yeah, solid match. I would say that angels had over half of the offense in this match. Um, and it it really came down to Omega picking up the win just because he outwitted him and the champion, kind of came away and pulled away at the end, if you will. Um and you know, that's this is one of
0: my my problems with the dark order, especially now. Um I think we're at a phase where it needs to kind of dissolve. Because I honestly and I, I watched the show and I know what you're talking about now because you said dark order and that just kind of clicked. Oh that's right. You went against a dark order guy. I had no fucking clue you were talking about. Wow. And that's, and that really shows. So if you're trying to develop these guys, I know what you think you're trying to do, but to a fan like you, they're doing it. For a fan like me, I'm losing it. So I think that that is totally something that is relevant because to me, all these guys bleed together and the only ones yeah the only ones i really i know the name of john silver and i know that there is 10 but i can't tell you who the fuck 10 is
1: right and and ultimately i think that they were close to dissolving the dark order and they teased it you know several weeks back and um i i was genuinely kind of hoping that they would um because i think that you know the guys in that group um could be better if they were singles competitors or in the tag division away from that banner, um, things yeah. of that nature. And obviously I understand that, you know, they they want to keep them together because of Brody and all that kind of stuff. And I, I completely, I can hear that, but there comes a time when they're going to have to do it. And realistically, you've got to build these guys while while they're either in there or you can just say, fuck it and cut them loose, but you got to make sure that you build them and have the crowd invest in them, have the fans yeah. have a reason to give a shit. Um, I think that the one thing that really has kind of stood out is that, you know, through the vignettes and through the promos during the dark orders time um, you, you would notice um if you looked closely, and if you if you followed this kind of stuff, and I'm not saying you, Matt, I'm saying you as in the general, um, you would notice, and you would, they did a really good job with tying things together from long in, in terms of long term storytelling. That Angels is almost feeling like a bit of an outcast in the Dark Order. So, you know, they, there were skits and, and segments where you know Hangman would. When he was aligned with them, when he would do things and the Dark Order would, you know, when he pulled up with the, uh, the fucking John Deere tractor looking thing, the lawnmower and yeah. everybody hitched a ride, but who was left off of it? Alan Angels. And it, it, was, it was all sorts of things of that nature. I think that I would like to see Angels break away from the Dark Order, maybe have him be the first person to turn his back on the group break away be a complete single star and then you might start to see more of these guys kind of dissolving as you mentioned um i at least i can hope
0: um, i think it, it's funny you said that because i do remember them uh having that that you know kind of the starting of the friction but what's very interesting too and i didn't think about this until you said it um my problem is him and John Silver have the exact same fucking build look and aren't they both bald with the fucking beard and they're like, what, maybe five ten to six foot or something like that.
1: John Silver's about five, five. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. he's, so he's, he's, shorter one. he's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but okay. yeah, I mean, it. I, I totally get what you're saying. And Just I con- think that
0: it's confusing to the layman's eye who is not, um, you know, absorbing everything. And that is why you see people having a hard time continuously tuning in.
1: Yep. And, and unfortunately, I mean, uh, we, we used to talk about ratings, obviously. Um, and I was a proponent of talking about ratings. They got to do something because their ratings are starting to slip on Wednesdays. And, you know, you can you can cite the World Series. You can cite, you know, the NBA. You can cite whatever you want. But realistically, they need to figure out what is not working and work to correct that, because they are starting to lose viewers. And um, this past uh, this past week's episode had, uh, I believe, um, it was the least number of viewers that they've had in over four months, which is quite considerable, um, especially given the current climate with everything. Right. Um, they had started to, you know, they've started to build momentum, all that kind of stuff. And, and and it's not just this week. Um, It's something that's happened over the last couple of weeks. And it's really unfortunate because, you know, I, I, I think that was one of the top draws for me um, as a fan to AEW was that, okay, this is an alternative um, to the machine, to WWE. Um, And, realistically if they're starting to do things that you know the fan base is starting to lose favor with or they're starting to watch other things in place of dynamite that's that should set off the warning signs for sure so
0: yeah um and i'm i'm trying to um trying to see here um the the they really didn't, and I, I had some specifics. I just can't find it, but they didn't have the competition. You're, you're absolutely right. There was no actual competition that really should have um, made the uh, the ratings as, as low as they were this week. So, yeah, yeah, yeah that's that, that, that's a very
1: good point. Thank you. Um, <laughs> the uh, The thing that I will mention next as well. So CM Punk cut a promo in ring and, uh, he made mention, and this is one, one thing that I I have to talk about. Uh, he actually made mention of the very public story of John Moxley entering inpatient rehab, which obviously all the best to John. Uh, we, uh, it's very difficult to, um, to seek help. Um, if you are, abusing alcohol or any sort of a drug. And yes, alcohol is a drug. Um, If you are abusing those things, it don't do not be too prideful to reach out for help. Um, I respect the hell out of it. Just as CM Punk said in this promo. Um, So Moxley is doing, you know, he's doing great things by seeking help. And I think that once he comes back, that we probably will see a better John Moxley than we've seen. Um, but here you had CM Punk cutting a promo and he mentions Eddie Kingston, who, as we had mentioned last week, interrupted CM Punk, uh, on, on rampage. And so they're, they're obviously building up to, uh, to some things here, um, which we'll talk about here in just a moment, but, uh, yeah, there was the, 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 I guess the storyline was that Eddie Kingston wasn't there in the arena, and uh, but he will be in St. Louis um, to you know to accept uh, uh, the apology from Eddie Kingston. So again, we'll talk about that here in just a moment. Um, and as a result um, of John Moxley uh, being out of out of the arena. Uh, his spot in the world title eliminator tournament had to be filled, um, so it. CM Punk actually mentioned that it could have been CM Punk versus Bryan Danielson, but you aren't going to get that because of Eddie Kingston, which I thought was kind of interesting, um, and it, it it really does kind of bring things together and add a layer of cohesion, which is not commonplace. Um, so it's definitely appreciated. Um, and instead we find out that it's going to be Miro who is going to be taking, uh, John Moxley's place against orange Cassidy in the tournament. And, um, Miro this, his string of vignettes lately has, they've been, they've been awesome. Um, you know, first he was saying how he was God's favorite champion when he had the TNT title he loses the TNT title and now he's angry and he's frustrated and, you know, he's, he's vo- vocalizing his, um, his anger towards God and, and things of that nature. And it's, it's pretty deep stuff, um, you know, with, with his promos and it's, you just buy in and it, Miro is doing a great job on the mic without a doubt, doing a great job on the mic with these things. And, um, Elsewhere, you had uh, FTR defending the AAA tag team titles against Aerostar and Samurai Del Sol, the former Kalisto. I don't know if you might remember him, Michaels. He was a part Uh, of your favorite faction in WWE.
0: The guys who wrote wrote in on the lawnmowers? (laughs) Right? Super crazy. Close enough. Okay.
1: Close enough. Um, But yeah, dude. No surprise here. FTR pick up the win in about nine minutes. Uh, Aerostar got banged up pretty badly early in the match. So, yeah, um, unfortunately, that kind of suffered a bit. Um, And I, I, I have to get your feedback on this, Michaels. What do you think of FTR's theme music, which is a remixed version of the old Midnight Express theme? Oh, I,
0: yeah. Um. Yeah, here's the thing. I think the FTR uh, has a tag team in NXT. They shined, and um, I think since then, personally, no matter what they've tried, they just they don't have it. They don't have it. Um. And if they keep talking like they're talking, uh, it just seems like. It seems like they're two guys who think that they deserve so much more than they're actually worth. And it just it just plays that way when they, you know, take little digs and say this and that, take digs at their own fucking company. And it's just like, well, you guys wanted out of WWE. You got released. You so badly want to go here. And now you think you're getting screwed over here. So what do you want to get out of these contracts? To go to impact? I mean, you don't have many more choices, guys. So, I don't know. Take the AAA titles, go to AAA, and and go to Mexico, and you know, become the the Midnight FTR Express, whatever. Um, I don't know, man. I, it really is just at the point where. Um, and and did are they still part of the MJF crew? I, yeah. I just, are they okay? Yeah. The,
1: the thing is they've tried to explain that as you know on and- andrade paying mjf two envelopes of cash for them to be his hired guns i guess so i guess you know whatever um elsewhere we had uh the promo segment with american top team and the inner circle um so we found out that we're going to be getting uh the inner circle versus the men of the year, but also we're getting Junior Dos Santos, Andre Arlovsky, and yes, the fat face dipshit himself, Dan Lambert. And evidently they did this for one reason and one reason only, just so that they can get those pay-per-view buys, just so that you can see Chris Jericho give Dan Lambert the Judas effect and punch him in the face after the fact. I, I don't know I, and and you
0: had Paige Van Zant on stage saying that she would kick any of those guys asses. You know what? I'd rather see that. Get the <laughs> fucking fire this motherfucker! I I just it's not even heat. It's just that he's just no. There's no reason that he should be, and there's no reason they should be using these fucking UFC guys just to fucking walk out there. It it just. You've got so many, you just hired all these fucking guys from the federation and you still have to have UFC, you know, 20 guys of fucking UFC on your, I don't know, man. I think Tony Khan doesn't know what he's fucking handing money out to
1: sometimes. And to, uh, to subtly correct you, I believe the pans page van Zant line was that she would take on all five members of the inner circle herself. Yeah. Hey, I,
0: well, well, I don't, I don't know Jericho what kind gave of the I'm...
1: perfect resort result resulting line to that saying that she could definitely sell that on her only fans.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, uh,
1: yeah. elsewhere, Anna J versus Jamie Hader happened in the TBS tournament. I guess, uh, that was uh, seven minutes and not exactly the cleanest match in the world. Um, Jamie Hader advances in the tournament
0: <sighs> Anna yeah. is go fucking... I, this is why they need... This is why they need a development fucking center. Dude,
1: okay. So here's the thing is Anna J? she was doing... She was doing all right. And she was progressing week after week in the ring. And then she got injured. And she fought back. She came back and it... You know, she she battled back from her injury, but it, and I was listening to some audio um, from one of the other, one of the other content creators out there. And they brought up a really good point in that it almost looked like as if Anna Jay looked a bit apprehensive at times in this match. So she, she was almost afraid of doing certain things at, a, at certain times um, so as to not re injure herself. And that, that really sucks because you know that it's mental and that she's, you know, thinking twice about certain spots. So hopefully whoever produced that match was able to talk to her afterwards and, you know, just kind of reassure her that, Hey, you know, what happened previously was a fluke incident that it won't happen again, you know, things of that nature, or, you know, that that same set of circumstances won't happen again. Um, and it's it, it's tough because she was doing so well and progressing extremely well. And she just looked lost at certain points in this match. And it really sucks. It really sucks so, to see her somewhat regress. I,
0: I think one of the um, I think one of the solid points that I heard this week um, is simply this. Um, the reason AEW is having some problems, especially in those kind of cases, um, they don't have house shows bingo and you don't and they don't have a development place essentially outside of nightmare factory so um you're not getting the reps in and um for these younger talents to they're basically not allowing them to grow because all they're doing is putting them in front of cameras and by doing so you are basically putting all the pressure on these guys to deliver because if they fuck up First of all, the crowd's going to chant it, you know, wonderful fans. Um, and number two, everyone's going to see it. Exactly. So, you know, if they had house shows, then she could have gone on a run of, you know, six weeks of house shows before she came back. So
1: exactly. Yeah. And I think that that's something that that we mentioned early on in that, you know, they would benefit from aligning with other promotions Um, because they would allow their talent to get more reps in, you know, in other settings. Lo and behold, that did happen to where they were doing, you know, interpromotional things, but it wasn't used for anything even remotely close to that. It was the Kenny Omega show. And I think that that's, that's the really troubling part to all of this, is that they had a golden opportunity to essentially have, you know, you could have had something set up even with Ring of Honor. I know that there's bad blood there, um, but there was a, they could have easily, you know, sent some of their roster to ROH and they could have easily had them perform, um, you know, in some of their TV tapings, um, which, you know, take it for what it is. The, they're not going to be on on TV in a widespread format and they're not going to have the fans there to second guess them and to chant you fucked up when they fucked up. So I think that they had a giant opportunity and they just totally missed the boat. Unfortunately on that. Uh, Elsewhere we had Andrade El Idolo taking on that young upstart Cody Rhodes and uh, lo and behold, holy shit Andrade picked up the win in about 12 minutes over Cody I'm not gonna lie. I was shocked as shit that it happened. I thought for sure that they would have Cody go over, you know, triumphant baby face, even though no one in the building is fucking cheering him. Yeah. But say, Lovey, it is what it is. You had uh, FTR pop out from underneath of the ring again. At least they are tying these storylines together in some way, shape, or form. They did have, you know, FTR hit Cody with their triple a tag titles. They threw him into the ring. Andrade hit his finisher, go home and it, it accomplished what they needed to do. So, um, very, very key win. And quite frankly, Andrade has not gotten too many wins under the AEW banner. So every win that he gets is a big win. This was a big win for Andrade without question.
0: Am I correct? If I remember, did, um, didn't lucha bros came out then right yeah so so even though he got the win they're setting up a fucking three-man tag in which ftr and andre are going to get the loss to cody and the lucha
1: bros who need it of course because as we know cody needs to get his fucking win back yeah um Elsewhere, in the, uh, in the main event of Dynamite, we had Orange Cassidy against Miro in the world title eliminator tournament. And this was the fucking Miro show, bro. Um, outside of a, a flurry of offense early on, you had Miro just putting it to him. And Miro looked strong, and he tapped Orange Cassidy out. So now your finals at full gear for the number one contendership for that world championship will be Miro versus Brian Danielson. Sign me the fuck up for that shit.
0: Here's the problem, though, and and this is why I I don't like it, and that is simply because of this. I don't think they have a balls to to to, uh, to pull a trigger on a Kenny Omega Miro match.
1: They're not going to.
0: No. So why the fuck do I care?
1: They're not, they're not going to do that because Kenny Omega is not going to retain the championship at full gear. Hangman will win the title at full gear. Finally. Yeah. I I think, I think ultimately that's what needs to happen. Um, You need to have, you need to have hangman pick up the win at full gear uh, over Omega. You just have to, at this point, um, he he definitely has the crowd behind him like he has not had before. Um, not that they were ever, you know, not that that was ever a question, but dude, this guy, just just the mere mention and like the, the the drop at the start of his theme and the crowd pops. Um, okay. there haven't they, they've done some good things uh, with Paige. They need to pull the trigger at full gear with him. If yep. they don't, if they don't, then they will forever damage Hangman Adam Page.
0: Period. Right. And and my problem is that so if you if you have Miro winning this match, um, then Miro is going against Page, which totally fucks Miro. Um, I'd be more interested in seeing Miro going against Omega. But Omega, you're not going to have a heel heel match. And why should Omega win that match? Um, so you just built up Miro as this monster, and in both scenarios he loses, essentially. Plus, now you're going to have potentially Miro beating Brian Danielson.
1: That's not going to happen.
0: Well, but see, that's the whole thing. So then, if Danielson wins, so now Danielson's going against Hangman. It that they yeah. fuck yeah. themselves in a corner. You should yeah. Just, just, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. That's this whole thing is this whole like tournament and blah, blah. blah. Why are you fucking doing that? You have records that you're supposed to be putting the emphasis on. Why are you going this route to come up with your number one contenders? This is the shit that makes no sense with them. And thank you, TK for being such a genius and oh, if only Ted Turner was a better booker, he would have still been in business today and you wouldn't have a television show. So God damn you, Ted Turner. Why didn't you fucking pay more attention to your booking?
1: Oh, man. And on that note, let's, uh, let's jump into AEW Rampage. And the show kicked off with uh, Anthony Bowens versus Brian Danielson. But this was a good match. But the highlight of this match happened before the bell rang when Max Caster came out and I quote the acclaimed we only do numbers but this guy is too busy growing cucumbers don't be mad at me bro because you only known for your wife's reality show and you should eat some eggs look at Bowen's arms they're bigger than your legs. I'm a put you into poverty dog because I end careers quicker than your father-in-law. Yes. That was a John Laurinaitis dig by Max Castor to Dan to Brian Danielson. <sighs> yeah. He, there was also a, a Brie Bella dig in there knocking on him being a vegan. Max Castor a savage. I mean, that's, that's all that can be said. Um, Max Caster
0: has one talent, and that is just going out there saying some shit and then never having to wrestle. So good for him. Pretty much, um, solid. Hey, so- hey that, that that called? John. By the way, that John Cena ripoff is really just fucking hitting the fucking courts. <sighs>
1: <sighs> Nonetheless, man, um, Anthony Bowens. Uh, I, I'm not trying to diminish anything that was done in this match um solid solid opener um and bowens is he's had a string of great matches where he you know everybody always makes they always spotlight max caster because he says outlandish things he does you know crazy things on the mic that sometimes get him into trouble but anthony bowens can bring it in the ring and you know this was this was a nine minute match um Probably the best match that I've seen out of him. I wonder if it's a strange coincidence that it just so happened to be that he was mixing it up with Brian fucking Danielson. Don't know. Call it what it is. Um, But yeah, very solid match. Highlight of the show was next, though. CM Punk and Eddie Kingston meet face-to-face. Dude, this promo segment was absolutely great. In terms of the visuals where you had the two guys in opposite corners as they started off the promo and as the tension was built, the volume picked up and things got a little bit more personal. They moved in closer and closer together. So that, again, provided for a better visual. Um, And I, I, I definitely got the vibes that, you know, when Eddie Kingston was talking about things that happened in Ring of Honor 15 years ago, um, saying that Punk, Samoa Joe, Homicide, Amazing Red were guys that inspired him and were his heroes. And then he called Punk a narcissistic bitch who judged him, um, to which Punk point blank said that it wasn't just him that was judging him. It was all of those guys as well. Um, So yeah, these guys, man, on the mic, Kingston is fire on the mic. Punk is fire. Occasionally, when you take two guys that are great on the mic and you put them against each other, it should be fire. Occasionally it's not, but this time it was as advertised, exactly what you would expect to get. And quite frankly, this was the highlight of this show for me.
0: Um, it's going to be the highlight of their, their feud, by the way. Because unfortunately, um, there is some truth to the fact that, let's face it, Eddie Kingston has really come into his own as a, as a person on the mic. He's, he's really good. But Eddie Kingston, there's a reason that it's taken him so long to at least get to a stage where there's more eyes and that's because he is not one of the better wrestlers. You know, he can he can brawl. He's a very good brawler. But that's I don't good. I don't know what Punk's, you know, that's the other thing too is that you know, I'm personally, this so far it's just been CM Punk's CM Punk show. And so you know that Punk's going to be Kingston and what is he That's do that's about? the worst part about it. Difference between Brian Danielson and CM Punk is this. You just said it. Brian made him look like a hundred bucks, a hundred bucks, a million bucks. (laughs) Eddie's going to get in the ring with, with Punk and, you know, he'll get some spots in, but Punk's going to make himself look good. He is a narcissistic prick, but that's what you get when you want to see this guy Because that's the only reason. Punk ever got over. He got over because his ego. Was all about how good he was. So what do you think you're going to do? You're going to fucking. You're know, you going to make guys look good. Punk doesn't make guys look good. I'm sorry. And I just probably pissed off. A whole fucking generation of fans. But you know what? There's some truth to it. Go back and watch his shit. And. Isn't you know, it, Punk isn't making guys look good.
1: Punk is getting himself over on guys. Wow. The views expressed on the Vegas Bad Boys podcast are. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll I'll let you have that one, Matt Michaels. I I will have nothing to do with that quote and that little diatribe. Um. Yeah. I I I've I don't necessarily see eye to eye with that, but. Um, you know, as far as as far as what we're going to see at full gear, um, I think that we will see uh, we will see Punk pick up the win, of course. But I think that I think that we will see Eddie Kingston elevated um, and I think that we will see a very strong showing for him. Um, realistically, I could see a fluke win for Punk uh, or, you know, something a quick pinfall or anything of that nature. I don't think that it'll be decisive. I don't think that it'll be, um, you know, a statement victory, if you will. Um, I think it'll be uh, a lot closer if, in terms of offense uh, than what you or a fair amount of the audience may feel. Um, elsewhere, uh, this TBS championship tournament uh, rolls on. We had, the, re- we had uh, the bunny versus red velvet and red velvet wins in three minutes, 30 seconds. Of course, of course, Red Velvet picks up the win in this match because Jade Cargill is waiting in the next round. And I don't think that Jade Cargill has worked against any other females in this company other than Red Velvet. I mean, she's beaten her, what, 20 times? Um, yeah. yeah, whatever, whatever. And and
0: that, honestly, what's interesting about that is that is Every time those two meet It is a potentially dangerous situation Because They are both greener than Goose shit and um, Let's just hope No one gets hurt let's just get the Get the pin get You know that looks like they'll probably put Jade into the finals and um, And They'll probably Dude if Ruby Soho Loses <laughs> and she, she gets fired from WWE and then can't even get the title here, then, you know I they're out of their fucking minds. They don't know what the fuck they're doing.
1: Well, so my my thing is, I I personally, I think that they give the title to Thunder Rosa. That's just
0: you me, would, though. Y- yeah, you would think. But at the same time, like, the problem is this. What you've essentially now done, too, is by creating this second belt, now you've basically taken emphasis off of your main belt. So you're basically trying to make this like an IC belt, right, for women. So why does Thunder Rosa need that belt when she's been challenging for the main belt? And Ruby Soho is the new girl in town who you've already fucked over, (laughs) Wrestling the big dog In your company In Brit So I mean And let's also throw in the wild card scenario If they put the belt on Jade
1: Well we know We know what Jade is going to do She will uh, Sell it because that's the only thing She does is sell
0: merchandise
1: well, that too, but she uh, she's already said that she will change the name of whatever show she's on to that bitch show, TBS. So, I mean, I don't know if they're going to play into it and just give her the title anyway, so that she can use that as a catchphrase. I mean, all right, I guess, but I I I, I don't know. Your first your first inaugural champion. You have got to go with you've got to go with somebody who is more established in the ring, in my opinion. I could be wrong, and I usually am. So nonetheless, it, uh and it's and it's
0: Soho versus uh it's gonna be Soho versus Rosa on the one end and Jade versus uh, Red Velvet on the other end, right? Yeah, yeah. Which is just fucking mind-boggling. Yeah, that's why I say don't I don't put it past it that they put the belt on Jade because you take your Fucking marquee match that you would want to see personally for your main women's title in Thunder Rosa versus Ruby. No shit. And you make it a fucking throwaway, you know, semi final tournament match. Come on. Stop doing these dumb tournaments. Stop it. Stop it. All wrestling companies, stop the tournaments. They're fucking horrible. We've seen how bad it's been. Now, the WWE just did it with their fucking queen of the ring and it fucking sucked. We're seeing what they're doing with this TN TBS title thing. Just stop it. Stop these
1: tournaments. Um, really quick. Uh, Chris in the chat says, Michaels says that now, but in 90 days, Nia Jax will be in AEW and Michaels will look back and make and realize maybe it wasn't that bad.
0: Hey man, I'm, I'm, I'm investing all my money in, uh, and either a, uh, a Nyla versus Naya match, which
1: oh god, could you imagine Jr. on the call for that? No, <laughs> no,
0: <laughs> that'd be the best. That'd actually be the most entertaining. In fact, if you guys just just take that and put it on Patreon, you know, just want to make a few extra bucks, just charge people to hear Jr. call that match, and <laughs> just him, and just him, it would be it would be fabulous. In fact, have him call it from an open bar. That oh, would be Jesus. amazing. Um, Or they put those two together and make them the uh, career wreckers, call the team the career wreckers, and it would be beautiful.
1: I would take that in a second. So, and last but not least uh, on this show, uh, Adam Cole versus John Silver. Okay, so here's something I have got to get out here, and it is a criticism that I have of AEW. Okay, they have been – Doing the uh, the skits with Adam Cole and the Dark Order ever since Adam Cole came into in into the the, the company um, on BTE, and there obviously yes you know it, it pops the viewers for BTE um, whenever things kind of have the interplay of um, and essentially what's been going on is. John Silver and Alex Reynolds have been harassing Adam Cole backstage and Adam Cole's been, you know, giving them shit back as well, but uh Silver has, you know, brought up the fact that Adam Cole should cut his hair and that he should manage them and that they should change his name to Budge, which is short for budget cut. And um so yes, he they've started this whole Budge thing. And I get it. I, you know, yes, it makes me laugh. Um, But as far as continuity, if you are just somebody flipping through the channels and you aren't familiar with BTE and you'd see this shit going on, it's a giant inside joke and you ain't in on it. So I think that 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 type of shit needs to either A, stop, or B, they need to show clips from BTE which they're not able to do because the show's fucking packed anyway. So they can't squeeze any more, any more content into the time that they have. So just as, as funny as the stuff might be to a certain number of the audience, stop it, please. Because this type of shit will drive viewers away rather than bringing them in. Please. Yeah. Uh, nonetheless, uh, solid match. Uh, Adam Cole, John Silver, both of these guys brought it. um, And, you know, we made light of it earlier with John Silver being, you know, short of stature, um, but the dude definitely has a unique look. Um, I think that one of the things that they have to be very careful with is that they don't pigeonhole him and, you know, typecast him as, you know, oh, look, it's the short guy. Yeah, he's going to just job all the time. Um, So I think that this match did a good job of allowing him to get a lot of offense in and he really did come off in a lot of ways, in my view, as almost like a strong man from the circus, you know, yes, there's, there's a bit of a, there's a bit of a draw to him. He does have a a large amount of charisma um, and a very unique look and he was throwing coal around the ring. Now, obviously, in the grand scheme of things, coal is, you know, sub 200 pounds, but still the visuals played in. And the visuals were those that it, it really did sell you on silver having credibility. And so hats off to them for that. Um, and as I said, my only criticism with this whole thing. Was just stop with the inside jokes unless you're going to let the casual viewers in on the inside jokes, because it's just going to drive people away in the long run.
0: Don't worry, no one's watching Rampage anymore, anyway. So, oh Jesus, that's true. It's it's actually it is frighteningly true because I they, I don't it was somewhere around five hundred thousand, if that. Yeah,
1: yeah, it was about it was I think I saw like five ten something somewhere in there. Yeah so. yeah. so now, mind you, they did doom themselves 10 PM time slot on a Friday, but nonetheless, uh, now, according to Warner media, if, if you believe what, what the execs are saying in Warner media, the AW brand, both properties, whether it's dynamite or rampage are both exceeding the expectations. Um, I did, uh, I did, read that, uh, on the internet and obviously it's on the internet. So it has to be hundred percent factual, but, um, yeah, it, if, if they're doing better than what, uh, than what the network was expecting, then kudos to them. But yeah, you are walking a very fine line for sure. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, let's, uh, let's finish up here with uh, a little bit of local news, uh, in the Vegas scene. Um, The uh, BVW Big Valley Wrestling ran two days at the Taco Fest in North Vegas. Uh, Taco Fest drew a lot of people, so uh, hopefully Big Valley Wrestling uh, got some uh, a nice share of eyes on them, um, and um, you know we're able to uh, uh, get some uh, interest in some of the local wrestlers. uh, A lot of which uh, you know wrestled for uh, not only BVW FSW but also versus and uh have been going out uh other places including up in north california where uh, nick sander made it through uh his first two matches successfully uh, to make the final cups uh, the finals of the uh, young lions cup um and that match was a fatal four-way elimination match and uh nick uh, came up a little bit short but uh the winner of the young lions cup is uh fsw's uh adopted son juicy Fineau. so mm-hmm. juicy awesome. uh took that home um it was a really solid uh final match uh kudos to all these guys because uh this whole thing is done in one fucking night and um Yeah, so you talk about tournaments. This is the only thing you could justify a tournament for is something that is totally unrelated to titles and contenderships and shit like that. And um, this this has been going on for, uh, I think, like seven years or so now, I think. Um, So, you know, it it has a little history now and uh, definitely a good thing. Um, FSW had high octane that same night. um, And uh, it was... uh, it was good uh, to see uh, Bodie. Um, he is uh, now five and zero at fourteen years old, um, and is wow. growing uh, leaps and bounds every time he wrestles. So it's nice to see that they're getting a chance to acclimate him to, um, you know, some of the more mature matches. Uh, you know, and, and some of the guys who are a little more seasoned. Uh, even if the guys are younger guys, um, uh, graves had a great match on, on the card too. Um, really, really solid match. Uh, but the big thing is, uh, getting some, uh, set up for, uh, no escape, which is a cage match heavy show. Uh, it's held, uh, it's going to be held Saturday, November 27th at diversion amusements and also available on fight TV pay-per-view. Uh, we're going to have Remy Marcel who came out and, uh, issued a uh, challenge for class for the Nevada state title Uh, technically Remy uh, didn't lose to class in a match Um, class cashed in the case after Remy was already taken out. So uh, these two are going to be in a cage, which should be great. Jay Vidal, uh, who's having a tremendous year won a spot in the no limits, number one contenders match cage match at uh, no escape. Uh, There will be a couple other people competing in that match, Uh, And I don't think any other spots have been named yet. Uh, Joe, at the beginning of the show, made a big announcement when he was interrupted by lights, camera factions, uh, Action Braxton and Ice Williams, uh, who complained that uh, at the Halloween show, Chris Bay came out with a baseball bat and uh, attacked Ice's car. Uh, Well, Joe announced that Chris Bay will be facing Ice Williams for the No Limits Championship in the cage. And, uh, the main event was Matt Vandegriff and Damian Drake, uh, going at it. Um, as soon as the bell, uh, rang, uh, those two crazy motherfuckers just started beating the fuck out of each other to the point where, um, the referee had to basically stop the match cause ref got hit and then another ref got hit and then everyone got hit and it just went, uh, crazy into breakdown chaos um, to the point where um, uh, they had to uh, remove Vandegrift from the facility uh, only to uh, forget that the backstage area is the uh, back alleyway in which once you take a person out, all they have to do is go to the back of the building and come back in, as Matt did, uh, to attack uh, Damien again. Uh, but uh, Damien threw it in the gauntlet at uh, no way out or no escape, no way out, no escape, same similarities there. Um, we'll be seeing those two in the cage match in a weapons cage match, Hell yeah. which could be very, very, very brutal and, and very, uh, just, it could be matched to the year. Um, also a reminder, if you're in Vegas, uh, Saturday, the 19th Booker T's reality of wrestling company comes yes. here to the MGM grand and impact wrestling returns to Vegas, uh, the, uh, Saturday, the 20th through Monday, the 22nd. Um, they'll have their, um, on the 20th, the, um, uh, internet only, uh, you know, or, or subscription only quote unquote pay-per-view. That's not really a pay-per-view it's for subscribers. Um, on the 20th and then, uh, TV tapings on the 21st and 22nd, And, uh, finally again, a healthy, uh, recovery for, uh, John Moxley and, uh, a goodbye to Vegas, uh, for, uh, him and Renee, uh, Renee, uh, boarded the bus, uh, just the other night and, uh, they're off to Ohio. So that is it for them and having to be here in the summer heat. And hopefully uh, everything goes well with John and they're able to uh, raise their uh, firstborn uh, in Ohio uh, around some family and, uh, you know, all the best to them. On that note, everyone, thank you for uh, tuning in. Uh, If you're uh, with us here, uh, we'll be right back with Three Count. Otherwise, uh, you know, listen to us uh, on uh, Tuesday when we release Three Count and uh, the three count was going to be specific to all the layoffs that just happened, and um, that's what we're going to be tackling. All three counts are going to be, uh, you know, related to the to the uh, the firings. So uh, until uh, next time, everyone, take care, and we'll see you next time. The biggest bad boys of podcasting.